0: is one that I actually didn't think we'd do when we started this vision, mission, core values, goals and objectives series. My original intent was to do a really a two-part series where part one we brought on Stan Campbell to talk kind of holistically about the big picture of why core values matter. How to think about crafting a vision and mission statement and then talking about the importance of goals and objectives. And then the second episode was going to be my team at Wi-Fi going through what that looked like for us as we went through this workshop and, and kind of created this purpose and vision for our company. But as you heard last week, we spent so much time going through core values, which was super important. We didn't get to go into goals and objectives in detail, and that's what today is all about. So today, Matt Bradley is coming back on the show, and we are just literally going to go through our goals and objectives as a company for basically the next three to five years. And my hope in, in you hearing this conversation is that it will give some perspective For your own company, right? We're kind of pulling back the curtain and saying, well, for us, we decided these are the most important things. we kind of talk about why that's so important. One thing that I want to line out at the beginning of this episode today is the difference between goals and objectives. So this is very classic language. And essentially, a goal is something long term that is really a big deal that you want to achieve for yourself or your company. And an objective is breaking that goal into something short-term, a short-term deliverable that eventually builds its way as objective and objective and objective is completed towards hitting that goal. So that's the language that we use in this. Now, as I said, my hope is that it's a template for you. So we're talking about this through the context of Wi-Fi, which is a software company for our fireplace industry. And Your situation is likely different than that, but I would imagine as you listen to us talk that there's going to be some similarities, and if anything, it might make you say, oh, okay, so this is how we could take what they're saying and apply it in our context. I think that at the heart of it, the idea is that clarity and buy-in is what's needed, and I think you're going to hear that in this conversation. Now, before we get going, I have a funny story for you. So literally, last week as I record this, I had this event on the East Coast, and I was speaking at it. So, you know, it was a pretty normal event. I I get ready to jump on the airplane to head out there, and as I'm on the airplane flying across the country, I get an email saying, the event is canceled, (laughs) and I was like, um... Is there anything that can be done to salvage this event? Because I am literally on the airplane flying over and, you know, suffice to say, the event was canceled. And so I was trying to decide, you know, am I going to stop in Minneapolis and turn around to go back to my house or am I going to keep going? And I just kind of thought about it. I talked to my wife and talked to a couple of people that I work with and just decided, you know what, the time's already carved out. I'm out the money for the airfare anyway. So let's just make something of it. So what we did is we hosted a totally impromptu last minute sales management workshop that was 100% free. And this thing was amazing. And I have to give a shout out to my friends at the Fireplace Showcase, Kyle and Jay And Ron and Kelly were so good just to talk with and allow me to have this event at their store. And it was really cool. We had like seven different businesses driving in from all over the place, get together at the fireplace showcase and spend some time really diving into creating a process of management in their business because many businesses in our industry have an out of control sales process, but they think that since they just make sales that their, their sales process is fine. And, and it's not. It ends up, you know, leading to them saying yes to bad jobs, having to work themselves to death and always having problems because they haven't thoroughly put a process in place that can be repeated and made better. So it was an interesting week. And I'm, I'm back now totally jet lagged. But it was just it was incredible getting to hang out over there. And I feel like so much of life is just you know, what you do with, with unexpected situations. Jim Collins says that the best companies get a return on luck, both good and bad luck. And I felt like, you know, on that trip, I got hit with some bad luck. And, you know, we were trying to get a, a good return on that on that bad luck. And I think that we did. So anyway, it was really fun. And I'm back, totally jet lagged, but I'm excited to be here. And I'm going to jump out of the way so you can hear this conversation with Matt Bradley to finish out our series on vision, mission, core values, goals, and objectives. I think you're going to be better for hearing this. Joining me from Redmond, Oregon is the partnership manager at wi I'm here once again today with Matt Bradley. Matt, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. The way you you introduced me makes me feel very special. So I'm, th- I'm doing great <laughs> and I'm I'm feeling yeah. special.
0: Well, that's awesome, Matt. I'm glad you're feeling special because you are special and I'm Thanks, excited Tim. to be hanging out with you today. You and my mom agree. <laughs> yeah, you know. So Matt, we had you and Sam on last week to talk about our vision and mission and core values, and and that leads today into goals and objectives. And when I started this out originally, I was just thinking it'd be a two part series where part one I'd talk to Stan Campbell about like kind of big picture. Why is vision and mission and core values so important? And then we do kind of like a fine-tuned conversation with our team at Wi-Fi. And after me and you and Sam talked, I just felt like there was way more to it. And it made a ton of sense to do a third episode specifically around goals and objectives. And there's a lot of ground that I want to cover in this. But I think, first of all, maybe we could just talk before we get into our goals and objectives of why it's so important for a company just to have them. So like goals being the long-term targets that you're trying to hit and objectives being the short-term things that you're using to break break it down so that you can actually hit those things. Like, Why is that so important? And at the same time as that, why is it so important that your vision, mission, and core values are established first before your goals and objectives?
1: Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's just um, a hierarchy of concerns, right? So... So if you think about your mission, vision, and values, you have to know what those are before you can determine the best way to to live them out. Um, And if you don't have a clear sense of where you're going, if you don't have a clear sense of why you're going there, if you don't have a clear sense of what principles will guide you to get you there, um, then picking things to do doesn't make a ton of sense. right? So once you have your mission, vision, and values lined out... I think that helps you determine what's most important in terms of goals and objectives. Um, and if you don't have those things figured out first, odds are your goals and objectives are just going to be moving in a million different directions or not that not that meaningful. So I think that's why it's important to have mission, vision, and values ironed out before goals and objectives.
0: I'm with you. Yeah. I think what, like what we found is, yeah, it's easy to say, I want to go here or I want my company to be this big. But... If you actually want to rally people around that cause, it really helps to kind of have your why figured out first. And that's that's what your your vision and your mission is, is like, like, why are we trying to go where we want to go? Like, what's the world that we want to create? Because without that, it's really hard to motivate people. You know, you can tell your team, oh, I want our company to be whatever, pick a number, $5 million, $20 million in five years. But your team doesn't care about that if it's not anchored in some purpose that they can actually relate to and connect to. And I think that sometimes I feel like when you hear people talk about mission, vision, core values, and that sort of thing, it feels like fluffy stuff. Like that doesn't actually help the business. That just makes us feel good or looks nice on a t-shirt. But I think it's actually necessary to create your goals. And it makes your goals so much more impactful when they're actually anchored in your core purpose.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of that poem by william carlos williams that says um people read the news every day but they die miserable um because of lack of what is found in in great poems and i feel like that's kind of the same thing like oftentimes people think of poetry as kind of fluffy stuff and the news is what really matters and it's kind of the same in your company like you might think of numbers as what matters and core mission vision and values is the fluffy stuff but the reality is meaning matters and as a culture i think we're going through a meaning crisis right now and if your mission, vision, and values can help provide the people who work for you with meaning, then they're going to show up for you, and they're going to do their best every single day. Um, so I think that, like we discussed last time, you know those things can be fluffy, but the reality is we're hungry for meaning. We're, we're made for meaning, and if our professional lives can contribute to our sense of meaning in in this life, then. I guarantee you're going to get better performance out of your people than if they're just motivated by money.
0: Yeah, totally. Now, okay, maybe we can set the stage for everybody. So when we had Stan Campbell on a couple weeks ago, he talked from his perspective about the workshop that we did, but I kind of want to tee it up for you. So, you know, at the time that we, that we brought Stan in, you'd been working at Wi-Fi for a year, year and a half on a part-time basis and had been full-time for, I don't know, maybe five months or so. And, I just remember that we did two days. Day one, we hammered out vision, mission. We started on core values and we kind of solidified those at our dinner that night. And then the next day, we really hit goals and objectives really, you know, all all at once in light of everything. And I remember that we were throwing a ton of stuff up at the wall. Is there anything that you just remember about that process of coming up with these? Yeah,
1: just what I remember about that process was we had uh, a lot of different things that we wanted to do, um, as every company does, especially a company that's new, especially a company that's small. You know, you you've got a lot of things, and you think I need to do all of these things, and to a certain extent, that's true. You know, if you had um, an unlimited amount of time and resources and more people, maybe you could accomplish every single thing on your list. But the reality is the size our company is, and the amount of resources we have, we can only get so much done. And so it's just crucial that we constantly prioritize what's most important. And so I think back to that conversation, and I think that's what we were able to accomplish. You know, We said, okay, based on our mission, vision, and values, um, and all these goals and objectives that we've come up with, which of these goals and objectives help us achieve our mission, vision, and align with our values the best? And those are the ones that we tried to pick. Um, so I, I remember that process being not as difficult as you might expect. I think the process of making the mission, vision, values was more difficult. But once we had those in line, coming up with the goals and objectives was actually fairly simple because the, the test for every goal and objective was, well, does this help us achieve our mission, vision, and does it align with our values? And if the answer is yes, and in uh, you know, a highly impactful way, then that goal or objective got moved up to the top. And if the answer was no, right, then that uh, goal or objective got moved to the back burner, or maybe taken off the list altogether. So I I remember the process, and of course it was months ago now, but I remember the process of making the mission, and vision, values as being quite difficult. But when it came down to picking goals and objectives, things got a lot easier, and things got a lot clearer. And so I think that goes back to what we we're saying earlier. You know, you got to put the horse before the cart. The Mission value, vision values are, are symbolic of the of the horse. And the cart is the uh, goals and objectives that, that follow behind.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. I mean, I, I feel like for me, remembering back, and you're right, I mean, this is like going back just about a year ago. I feel like there was a lot that we threw at the board. But as we kind of talked through it with Stan, it was almost like we found as we were, as we were throwing out all these goals that we had for the company, a lot of them kind of resonated with each other. And as, as we looked at it, they almost became objectives of a greater goal. And, and, and so I feel like that was really important to kind of get all these ideas up there. I'm, I'm actually going through my phone, looking at these photos right now of that board with all the sticky notes on it. And there's a lot of different sticky notes, but it was, it was, it was like, uh, yeah, just a lot of the things up there actually fit together as serving a greater purpose. And that greater purpose became the goal. And I think, I think for us, like it was really important to, define what the goal was. And we talked about over the course of the next, you know, five-ish years, what are the goals that we have? And not every single goal is a goal for five years from now, but every single goal is something that was really at least a year away. There wasn't anything in there that was immediate gratification. And maybe in a second, we'll actually just go through each one of these and we can kind of talk about why that was so important for us. And the reason is that as you think about your company and think about your goals, what are the things gonna, that are going to be important for you? And and I feel like a big part of this is that there could only be five. I, I, I think that any more than five, I mean, I think it's just way too many. You can't focus on that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, honestly, that's kind of my temptation as a, as a person and a, as a thinker. Um, I tend to want to get everything just right. And, um, there, there are certain advantages to that, um, but there are also disadvantages because at a certain point it can become paralyzing if you're not careful. And I, I honestly think that's one of the reasons that you and I balance each other so well is that, you know, I sometimes get analysis paralysis and and Tim Reed never falls prey to this particular, (laughs) particular syndrome. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely feel that five was the right number. And I think that it forced us to synthesize, um, and distill, um, you know, all of the goals and objectives we were kind of dreaming about or hoping for um, down to those which were most essential. So I think it worked out really well.
0: Yeah. And and I'll say this, I don't get analysis paralysis unless I am ordering something in the drive through that's under five dollars. Or choosing between two airplane tickets that are within $40 of each other. Like, I will <laughs> die in those situations. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, of man. All like, the things. I know. I can make a decision that changes the world without even thinking about it. But, man, deciding what I'm going to have on the drive-through menu. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, next time you come to that situation, Tim, just, just get both items on the drive-through menu. The Dude, plane ticket, truly, that won't work. But yeah. truly,
0: this is why if you've ever been in a restaurant with me, I know you've seen this, Matt. I always ask for a recommendation in a restaurant every yeah. single time. I always do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen that. That's good to yeah. know. See, we're learning yeah. something about each other right here.
0: Well, okay. So let, let's jump into this. So, so our five goals for, for our company, Wi fire? Number one, create simple, reliable tools for each step in the sales process from initial contact through placing a deposit. Right? That's goal number one. We want to complete the suite of tools for every step of the sales process. Yeah. And I think that the specific language there was sales process, right? Because we talked a lot about even expanding that into other things. And we really just dialed it back to no, it's the sales process, but this project is not done until we have tools for every single step.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to break that down a little bit, I think the first thing is just making the tools as simple as possible. You know, because we've added so many tools to Wi-Fi over the last year and a half two years um, I think the the product can sometimes seem overwhelming and obviously you Tim you know are a huge proponent of making things simple in in marketing and a business in general and in sales in general and so I think it's so important that we as a company live that out and obviously you know uh, says easy does hard right uh, it's easy to say that the tool should be simple to use. and when you're in the code and working with it, you know, working with the program every single day, um, it seems simple to you because you're the one who's you know helping to create it and shaping it. But the reality is the way that we think about the software and how simple it is to use and how other people uh, think about it is, is totally different. And so just constantly um, you know keeping in touch with our, our partners' experiences, that the bottom line is what we think is simple might not be simple. So constantly fine tuning the program until it becomes simple to use. And then obviously making these tools reliable is so crucial as well. You know, I, I think back to...
0: Yeah, I feel like those words simple simple, and reliable were so important.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think back to... Uh, it's, it's a silly thing, but I think back to the movie, The Social Network, which I'm sure is like 1% based on real life. But I remember uh, at one point, you know, Z- uh, Facebook goes down because, uh, you know, Zuckerberg's friend pulls the funding and Zuckerberg like pulls him in and says, Facebook can never crash, you know? And as a software company, uh, I-, I think that's true. You know, like every time something happens where things don't work correctly and reliably, it, it erodes trust. And so yeah. the tools have to be super simple. They have to be easy to use, and they have to be reliable, because otherwise, they're not going to be. People aren't going to think they're convenient enough, or and people aren't going to be comfortable enough to actually use them. So, I think those two terms applied to tools for the sales process is really the key, and that's how we again synthesize so much of what we wanted to do into this one statement. You know, once you've once you've got those simple and reliable tools, then it's about keeping them within the scope of what the company's about. Right? We're not a point of sale system. Yeah, we have tools to greet the customer online or in person, all the way through the point of sales when they go into the point of sale system, and we have tools for everything in between there. But let's not get outside of that realm. So I think you're right. The language of this was so important for clarifying what we wanted to do, and it was so important for again keeping us focused because um, it's tempting. Um to go in a million different directions when you're creating something that's not been done in the industry before. And so I think this was, you know a super important goal.
0: Yeah, so so as you're listening to this, thinking about goals for your company, uh, you know, I would encourage you to think about those really specific words. Like for us, it wasn't just create tools for each step of the sales process. It was create simple, reliable tools for each step of the sales process from in, from initial contact all the way through placing a deposit so just define that so clearly and use very specific words. And then the final thing with these goals, we didn't talk about this yet, Matt. We assigned a goal to a team member. We we made a team member own every single one of these goals and this first goal I own it. At the end of the day, other people in the company help me with it. They serve the the cause of of, you know, getting this done, but I'm the one who owns it. And I think that allowing different people in your company to own the goals, I think is probably more important than anything else. Because that's how you get buy-in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in order for people to own the goals, you have to have incredible clarity. And And again, the trick there is to have clarity without getting so bogged down in detail that you you get paralyzed, right? Um, so yeah, I think for us, for selecting, okay, we're a process, we're a, we're a company that's about the sales process. And I think Sam was really the first one to say that yeah and then saying okay based on that what type of tools do we want to create simple and reliable okay now now we're cooking with gas to use a Tim Reed <laughs> to use a Tim Reed phrase I don't know if you're the only one who says that I'm the only you're the only one I've no, ever heard I'm say not. that and I love it I say it all the time I also like to say uh I just got off the horn you know for phone <laughs> I don't know why it's just one of my favorite phrases so anyway I did not get that one from you. I just like that I got that one from Michael Scott yeah um but but yeah I, uh, honestly i think I think you're exactly right and it's about finding that balance between is this specific enough right to be actionable but is it is it broad enough that it, it gives us plenty of, of uh, runway to 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 uh, work from um, and that finding that balance isn't easy
0: <clears throat> yeah well let's go to goal number two so for us goal number two was develop five core processes building Onboarding, sales, update, and retention. And the owner of this is you, Mr. Bradley.
1: It is. Yeah. And I love this goal. I think it's so important. And uh, I said it the other day to one of our partners, and I think it's true. Everything smart that I know about business comes from Tim Reed. So I'll, I'll use another <laughs> Tim, Tim Reedism here, which is that you always talk about how, you know, when you have a sales process, it can seem robotic. But the reality is, you know, you need lines painted on the basketball court. In order to play the game, and you need a sales process in order to make sure that you're actually listening to the customer and not just filling them with information that they not may not necessarily need. I think it's the same thing here, right? Um, I'm I'm inclined to think that systems and processes, as long as they're beneficial to us and as long as they actually produce the end, you know, the end result that we're hoping to see, they free us because once we have a system or a process in place, it's not a question of Uh, okay, what are we going to do? It's a question of how are we going to do it in this particular context, right? I I think about that a lot with your sports analogies and I'm really good at the sports, you know, Tim. So (laughs) I'm I'm, going to nail this, but it's like, you know, uh, the reality is when you know a play, you know, if if you're a football player and and you know the play, that frees you to focus on beating your particular opponent in in any situation, right? So it's like, if you know the play and you're a wide receiver, then you're in a better position to deal with the particular defensive player in front of you or defensive players. It's the same thing. If you're, if you're running a business, if you're working in a business and you know the play, um, then it's not about what are we going to do? It's about how we're going to execute it in this particular context. And that's why I think systems and processes are so important. You know, uh, It's the opposite of being robotic. It frees you um, to, to play, play the game well. And I think that's true with the sales process. You know, you're know, you not worried about what am I supposed to do with this customer? Instead, you're actually listening to what the customer has to say when you've internalized the sales process. Same thing with the building process. Same thing with an onboarding process. Same thing with an internal sales process at Wi-Fi or same thing with an update process, all the processes we've listed out um, and retention process. You know, All of those free us up as individuals in the company to say, okay, this is the plan. Now, based on the particular needs of this partner in the particular situation we're in, what's the best way to execute the plan? Yeah. And so that's why I'm I'm super passionate about this. And I think the way that you've explained it over the years is really wise. And I I think it's really, really true. And so it's just applying that principle you talk about all the time on the podcast to our business um, specifically.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, this is again, you talked about us counterbalancing each other. And this is where I think you really counterbalance me well because, you know, in my mind, very often, the way that we serve the customer is like, let's go out and make a ton of new features that are going to just solve world peace and make it you know, incredibly easy to do everything in your business. And your view of serving the customer is... Let's make sure that this thing is tight and everything works really well and people feel taken care of and they know how to use it. And I think that both of those skill sets are really important. And that's why, you know, each of us has owned different goals in the company. But I feel like this one right here about the the five core processes, this is like shoring up the things to keep us tight as a company, you know, like we need to shore up the process of how we build out a platform of how we onboard a new partner of how we do sales, how we do updates to products and how we retain people. And again, remember, you know, we're still a very young company and at the time that we were doing this was really the the genesis of all the features in wi fi becoming complete. And and so, you know, in in your business listening to this, it might be, you know, what are your five core processes? Maybe it's your installation process. Maybe it's your paperwork process. Maybe it's your sales process. You know, how do you develop those? I think is incredibly important. And I remember, Matt, as we talked about this, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I think that this conversation brought out the fact that building and onboarding are two different things, where until this conversation, I think we just called it onboarding. And I think you were the one that was like, wait a minute. These are two different things. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you uh, definitely pointed that out as well. But I think that that goes back to so much of what we've discussed on both of these, which is clarity. I mean, you talk about that all the time in marketing, Mark in marketing that's, that's clear wins. And I think it's the same thing with mission, vision, values, goals, and objectives, like clarity wins. And so when you start having these conversations about, um, okay, this is how we do onboarding, but all of a sudden you realize... Oh, actually, for half of this, I'm actually talking about building a platform. For the other half, I'm actually talking about t- teaching people to use it, and that teaching people to use it is actually the onboarding piece. And then, you know, this other piece is really something totally different. It's called building, and that conversation is not going to happen if you don't sit down around the table and have these conversations about goals and objectives. So, I definitely remember that that coming out um, in, in this particular meeting, and I think it was so important. And it just goes to show that. And I say this, of course, as a former English teacher. But language really matters, right? The the, yeah. the the phrase that the words that you use to articulate ideas internally as a company or externally to the people you serve is so important. And go- writing down these goals and objectives in in language, of course, uh, it helps you um, to to clarify not only you know what your goals and objectives are that you're going to post on the wall, but it helps to clarify your thinking, right? Um, Thinking and reading and writing and speaking are so connected. And so when you start to get into that level of having these deep conversations, you do get clarity, not just about the goals and objectives, but about the company as a whole.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I just remember that for the longest time when someone would sign up for Wi-Fi, we'd say, okay, perfect. We got to onboard them. And yeah, for us, onboard them Not was the a, right word. No, it was an it was an internal <laughs> right. term. So onboarding yeah. meant we got to build the platform, and we spent all this time. We even we even had all the steps lined out to build it, and then we'd send them literally one welcome email. Here you go, it's yeah. all ready for you. This is how you use it. And you know, if you're a Wi-Fi or partner that's been with us through those times, I'm so sorry, but I I think in this conversation we were like, wait a minute. That's not onboarding. That's building the platform. We don't have any process to onboard people and teach them how to use it.
1: Right. It's, I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I think it was so important to to differentiate between those two and 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 to identify the other processes we wanted to have to have in place. Um, yeah. I think back to uh, what you were saying about the way that we view things. Um, whereas I'm more detail oriented and you're more visionary, and the bottom line is, you know, if you're too far into either side of that spectrum, you're going to eventually crash because you need a, a balance of those two. And I think that's what processes do, right? Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day by Bishop Barron, and he was talking about the theologian Paul Tillich, and Tillich drew this distinction between dynamics and form, and how you want both in life and i think that's really what a process gives you it gives you a mix of of form right this is how we do things but once you really understand that form you're you're free to to adjust and and to make changes as needed for the particular context again it's like you know if you if you want to learn to play golf well you know you've got to learn the basics of how to get a great golf swing but then depending on your situation you can make different choices to to get that ball Get that ball in the hole. Well, it's the same thing with business, right? You want to have these processes in place so that neither, right? My situation where I'm so detail oriented that sometimes I get frozen on the customer service emails I have instead of playing any sort of offense, I'm just reacting. And then the other side, so that's like too much form. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got you, Tim, which I love you. And you're the visionary, right? You're always thinking of the next thing. That's too much dynamics. So processes help bring those two together. They give you form so you can be dynamic in productive ways so that you're not stagnant.
0: Totally. Yeah, I love that. And that's where I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but... Um, for people that meet me, I, I always tell folks like I am not naturally an organized person. There's been habits and forms I've been able to put into my life that have had a, have built guardrails and limitations specifically into it to allow me to be free within. But yeah, I left my own devices. I, I crumble. So let's go to let's go to the next goal. And this is a, a real typical one, right? This has to do with sales. And for us, it is sell 300 subscriptions by the end of 2025. And the owner of that is Sam, who's not on today. But. This was you know a really a really self explanatory one of you know we we need to have a certain amount of sales in order to feed the company in order to have the profits that we need and, and to achieve the vision that we want, and so you know we we want to sell this many and I mean Matt, do you remember anything specific in the conversation about this uh,
1: yeah, I think we talked a
0: lot about the number
1: you know what's what's the right number, and if memory serves, we kind of talked about how there are approximately i think three thousand hard retailers in the in the us and yeah and i think is that right in, in the u.s and canada yeah yeah u.s and canada excuse me and so uh we kind of said okay well we, we realized that not everyone is going to be our our partner right i think back to clay dennis's article from the firetime magazine about how not every single person is your customer right and, and in our language internally that would be not every single person is your partner and that's okay so we said okay well what percentage of this this market is probably a Wi-Fi or customer um, and and a Wi-Fi or partner? And we said, well, maybe maybe ten percent would be a good way to start that uh, conversation and, and to kind of form that that number in our mind. And so, you know, that's I, I think that's kind of how we we came to it. Um, if I'm recalling correctly,
0: yeah, I, I remember the exact same thing, and and. I think that a big part of this is like, you know, for us to get to 300 would be a big deal and the company would be doing really, really good and we'd be serving a lot of people. But this this number really says 90% of the industry is not our customer. 90%, 9 out of 10 hearth retailers, 9 out of 10 manufacturers eventually are probably not right to work with us. And I think that that kind of sets us free where when someone's like, This doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I don't want to change my business. Wait, you want to do this? We can just say, yeah, and I'm I'm sorry it's not the best fit. If there's anything we can do to help you, like we'd love to, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. I I think that the realization, like, yeah, when everyone's your customer, no one's your customer is very true.
1: Yeah. And I think it goes back to our first core value, default to generosity, right? The reality is we call it a partnership because it needs to be mutually beneficial. We learn things from our partners and then we serve them the very best we can given everything that we've learned. Right. And the reality is that not every single person is going to want to be in a partnership and that's okay. And then from there, the, the other thing to realize is that even if people don't want to be in a partnership with us, if there is anything else that we can do for them, um, we'll happily do it. And that's why when we, when we have had, uh, lost partnerships in the past. Um, you know, my last email is always, I-, I want you to do what's best for your business. And so if this is that decision, you know, I I support you. And if there's anything else I can do to serve you and your team, you let me know. And those are genuine words. And I, I honestly get that from you, Tim. I think you just have this huge heart for not just the industry, but but for people. Um and I think that that's really carried over into to Wi-Fi. Or so just acknowledging that A, not everyone is going to be our partner is okay. And simultaneously, B, that doesn't mean that we can't serve that 90% that may never want Wi-Fi or in different ways, large or small. And that if we as a company can do anything for them, we're very happy to do it. And I think that combination of saying, it's okay that we're not a good fit for everybody, but we can still offer services and, and support to everybody. That seems to me very well to fit with defaulting to generosity and just acknowledging that you know not every single person is our partner, and that's okay. not everyone does business the same way. Um, yeah, and we're just there to help them. It, those people who want to partner with us we're there to help them do the very best they can, create prosperity, enjoy their lives
0: yeah i I totally agree and and you know again, for folks listening, you know we're going through these one by one, just to give you some context and clarity as to what goals in your company can look like. so we're about to hit goal number four. So the first goal we talked about had to do with us creating specific features in the coming years our second goal had to do with tightening up our own internal processes to make sure that we as a company basically have the infrastructure to continue to exist our third goal had to do with sales right we need to go out and get this many sales if we want the company to go where it needs to be and that brings us to number four we'll get back to our conversation in just one second Hey, if you've been listening to this and thinking, man, this guy Matt has a great sounding voice and he has so many good things to say, well, I'm lucky because I get to talk to him every single day and hear about this. But you can do the same thing by subscribing to our sister podcast, the Fire Time Magazine podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in the Fire Time Magazine. And every month when a new issue comes out, we post all of our articles in an audio format read by none other than Matt Bradley. And I'm telling you, these articles are incredible. They're written by experts in our industry from all over North America every single month, and the content is absolutely on fire. For me personally, every time an issue comes out, I'm just blown away by something inside of it that I've not thought about that's helping grow me and shape me in my career. And I want you to do the same thing. So if you want to listen to Matt Bradley every single month, you need to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Fire Time Magazine podcast, and you can check out more by going to itsfiretime.com slash magazine. And that brings us to number four, and this is retain 95% of partners each year from 2022 to 2025. And Matt, you're the owner of this goal too. I mean, I'm just, this is aggressive. Yeah. I mean, in a subscription-based business, retain 95% of partnerships.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly difficult, um, and I think one thing that we've learned um, is that going back to what we we're just talking about with the 300 subscriptions is when we're selling Wi-Fi initially, it's just very uh, important to clearly articulate what it does and what it doesn't do, so that the people who join are the people who truly wanted to join. Right? I think that goes back to being honest with our partners even with it, when it's difficult I think that goes back to being generous with our partners you know the idea is that once we have that conversation about Wi-Fi we're totally transparent about its what it does what it doesn't do its strengths its weaknesses where we're still developing it where we're never going to develop it and hopefully that helps filter out uh, you know those partners or those people those businesses who aren't right for us and, and gives us that core group of part- partners who really is right for us and then at that point, know, if we really believe that this group of people is right, and it's a great fit, then the question becomes, okay, how can I serve them to the point where uh, they want to keep Wi-Fi going because it is genuinely creating prosperity for them and their team and helping them enjoy their lives? Because if we can truly do that, uh, retaining 95% of partners is very feasible. Now, the tricky part is that software... At least in my limited experience, is always more difficult than you initially (laughs) imagine, and so you know to be blunt, things break, and things go wrong. And obviously, when when people's livelihoods is at stake, you know the stakes are are high. So this is an aggressive goal. It isn't easy because there are so many things that could potentially go wrong. Um, But it is important that if we filter that group down to. You know, the the group uh, that we actually think this works for, and that's who we sell to, then we should be able to retain 95% of those partnerships as long as we're doing what we say we're going to do, as long as we're actually creating simple and reliable tools, as long as we're keeping our promises, as long as we're uh, being honest, especially when it's difficult, as long as we're defaulting to generosity, we should be able to do that. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's within the realm of possibility and it's definitely pushing us. And so that's why I like this goal, even though. I think I'm probably going to miss my mark most if not all years, but I'm going to shoot for it every time and how else do you get better?
0: Yeah. I mean 95% was really stringent. Like like doing some research into subscription-based services, the churn rate is is the term for people that, you know, that sign up and then cancel. I mean, typical churn rate is is very often 20 to 30% in in many different software services and so for us like 95% was really high. And like you said, I mean there's there's probably going to be years where we where we miss it, but you know, we felt like just like you said, we need to and especially it's like if we're already deciding that probably 90% of the industry doesn't want to work <laughs> with this product, we really need to retain the partnerships that we have. But I think again, it just focuses us on like this is our one shot. Like these partners have trusted us and we have to make it work for them. And and again, in your company. Now for us, everything is built on reoccurring business. For you guys, I mean, I would say, like what would this look like if you had a retention goal of your team members? Like retain 90% of our team members for five years. And like literally assign someone in your company to own that goal. You know, you could, you could have um, retain 95% of my builders year over year for, for folks who are in markets with a big installing distributor, you know, installing distributors are going after all your builders. Online companies are going after your builders. So what would it look like for you to have an intentional goal to retain those partnerships? And again, this is where these goals force you to start asking questions. Wait, who are my builders? When do they, it's been nine months since this builder has bought from me. Have they actually moved on or have they just not built a house since then? I think that it's really, really important. Okay. So we've got our first four. Finally, number five, and, and this is a big one too, but, but for us, goal number five, and again, these goals are really, you know, over the next five years or so, is retain 12 months earnings in the bank. And fortunately, neither me or you owns this goal. This is Mrs. Jessica Reed who owns this goal, (laughs) but this is a really important one.
1: Yes. I'm glad she's the one who owns it for that (laughs) very reason. Um, Yeah, I I think this is another one of those um, aggressive goals. Um, but one of the there are a lot of uh, disadvantages of being sm- such a small company because there are only so many hours in a day and there are only so many of us. But um, one of the advantages of that is you can make aggressive um, goals when it comes to how much are we trying to put away for the rainy day that will eventually come. And if we're all working towards that and cognizant of it, then you know we can keep track of every dollar we're spending and every dollar we're bringing in, and and uh, have really clear, honest conversations about about uh, those things. So I, I love this one, and I think it just goes back to um, you know making sure that we're in a position to serve our partners well for the long haul and that we're putting ourselves in a in a position to be generous because it's a lot easier um, to to be generous when you know th- the company is financially secure not to say that's the only time we should be but but it's just easier to do that and it gives us more opportunities to be generous and so i think this again feeds back into you know core values and and where we're trying to go as a company
0: yeah i i totally agree and again you know, for us, we just felt like stability is so important. I'm actually, as we record this, I'm staring straight at the word stability. I've got it right in front of me. It's my, it's my word for this year is that, is that, you know, we're a young company and we want to be here for the long haul. And I have, I have witnessed situations in companies where due to immediate and unforeseen economic changes, swaths of people were laid off and I hated it. And I felt like, You know, when I'm in the driver's seat, that is, we are not going to be making rash decisions like that. So that's what we want to build towards is having, you know, enough money in the bank that if we lost everything, we could go for a year and still be a company without needing to, to have money. It's the same thing as like, you know, you should probably shoot for that personally, like whether it's a three month emergency fund or a six month emergency fund, that's all that it is. So, okay, those are our goals and each one's owned by different people in the company. Now, What we did after this, though, you know, I mean, and Matt, it it took us a little while to do this, probably, you know, probably an hour and a half or so to come up with all these and talk through, you know, when's it due, who owns it, all these all these things. But then I think the hardest part was breaking down objectives. And basically, we lined out quarter by quarter all the way through the end of 2025 what needs to be done in order for each of these to be complete. And some of the goals have a quicker end date than the other ones do. But I mean, this took a long time. I mean, it made us look very realistically at what do we actually have capacity for? And again, that idea of goals being your long-term things that you're trying to accomplish need to be coupled with objectives every single quarter. What needs to be done in this quarter? What needs to be done next quarter? This was really hard work, if I remember correctly, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I would say it was work that I'm I'm used to and, and that makes a lot of sense. And again, it goes back to the fact that I'm new to the industry and and I was a teacher before. You know, when you start out at the beginning of the year, you have your big picture goals and and those are obviously rooted in common core state standards and what you're hoping to accomplish as a as a teacher. And then on a day-to-day basis, you have your objectives. Okay, based on these larger goals I'm trying to achieve, what can I do today to move move toward that goal and so it made sense to me to move from goals to objectives and I like that we did it by quarter it's it's a good amount of time to where we have some time to actually make some some big changes if needed but it's not so much time that we forget about it and the fact that we meet at the um, end slash beginning of every quarter um, to review these objectives and to ask ourselves okay you know this this is how we did it on these objectives. Uh, this is what we still need to do based on that um, and ask ourselves constantly, okay, and are these new goals that we're creating helping us, or excuse me, are these new objectives we're creating helping us achieve our goals? All of that just makes a ton of sense. And and uh, so I, I love it. And it's definitely been something that's helped focus me in my work as I've been learning to you know be a partnership manager and to join a totally new industry. It's definitely helped me focus um, quarter by quarter, but also day by day.
0: Yeah. And and what I've liked with this is that we have these on our weekly scoreboard. So we've got our weekly scoreboard going through the, the metrics and the behaviors that we need to be doing on a consistent basis. But then page two of our scoreboard has all five of our goals and then all of the objectives for that quarter. And the objectives are either marked in green or red or yellow based on Whether they're done in progress or not done, essentially. And like I'm looking here, Matt, at quarter four and this is actually amazing. We, we actually were all green across quarter four. I'm looking at quarter one. We're not quite all green. But in, uh, in quarter four, I just want to go through these, right? So goal number one was to, to create the simple, reliable tools for each step in the sales process from initial contact through placing a deposit. And really the only thing in quarter four that we were trying to do was complete the five tools of Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi on your website, the basic estimate builder, the CRM, Wi-Fi Pro, and the Wi-Fi cart. And we knocked that out. Right. Under under goal number two, which was develop the five core processes, building, onboarding, sales, update and retention. We had a few different things. One was you, Matt, by looking at this here, November 19th, had to complete the building process, outlining it in ZenKit, which is an internal documentation system we use and create supporting materials for the Wi-Fi team. I had to document the processes for our major updates of our software, our pricing, our event kits, how we do price increases and other functions. Sam had to develop a sales process over the phone and document that. And you can kind of go through for each one. But to me, this is just really helpful in knowing what needs to be done. And to kind of round the conversation out, Matt, maybe you can talk about our rhythm of getting together every quarter because I think you were you were the champion of this. Originally I was thinking like, well, twice a year let's get together in person for a couple of days to really review everything, which isn't bad, but you you said that's not enough that we need to revisit this every quarter. And maybe you could just talk about what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important and again, you know when I was a teacher uh at the risk of just sounding like a totally broken record, literally every day I would start by Answering three questions: um, Why are we doing what we're doing? Where have we been, and where are we going? You know, those are those are the three fundamental questions you got to start at the beginning of any, or you got to answer at the beginning of any project. And I think it's the exact same thing in a business, right? Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, where have we been, and where are we going? Um, you have to regularly ask those questions; otherwise, you'll find yourself. Um, going down paths that might seem interesting uh, might might seem compelling uh, might seem helpful or useful but when you have those questions to ask in your mind okay how does this particular project connect back to the larger goal i'm trying to achieve and how does that goal connect back to my mission vision values all of a sudden the things that you're choosing to do on a daily basis um, you know that process of choosing becomes a lot simpler and uh, you just get again amazing clarity. So yeah, I'm a huge champion of of keeping these in in front of our faces. Otherwise, it does just become fluff. And I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to during these conversations: is yeah, these things can totally become fluff. You know, they can be meaningless. Um, they can be you know just things that you go through the motions and say at the beginning of a company meeting, and then you think, oh, I'm so glad we're past that. But the reality is. If you put them in front of your face and have tough conversations about, okay, this is what we say we're going to do. Um, where are we exceeding the mark? Where are we missing the mark? And you know, what if anything do we need to change? That conversation has to be consistent. Otherwise, all of this means nothing, and it does just become fluff, and it does just become something that's on the company binder and nothing more. So,
0: yeah. And I think that what what I've really appreciated is so like our rhythm is that basically at the beginning of every quarter we get together for 4 hours over zoom and and i'm imagining that that we'll still keep up in person halfway through the year that's going to be coming up here pretty soon as we record this but at least every quarter it's it's a 4 hour session on zoom and really it's just kind of going through how are we doing on our core values how does our mission feel and where are we at with our objectives for this quarter and I, and i remember that that when we got together last quarter there were some things that weren't done And we had the decision of either saying, are we just going to leave it as undone and we're just choosing wasn't as big of a a priority as we thought? Or are we going to move it up into this quarter or up into a future quarter? And if we're going to do that, what's going to move? Do we have capacity in this next quarter to just add another thing? Or do we not where we need to bump some stuff forward? And I feel like just you you learn so much as you go that that, you know, there have been times where we're looking ahead at our objectives for the next quarter and saying, you know, this is fine, but it's not as big of a priority. I think let's just kick this two quarters down the road. There's other things that have come up that have become more important. And, and we've kind of done that where we've pulled objectives up or we've pushed objectives back or added new objectives again that all serve those goals. And as an example of this, I, I think that having this process allows us to know what to chase. So, so, you know, I mean, just in full transparency, like one of the things that we have talked about as a, as a team is integrating Wi-Fi with a manufacturer's website and dealer base and we think that that's a major opportunity for a manufacturer and and their dealers to you know grow ahead of the market by leaps and bounds but as we nailed down our goals that didn't make the list like that was that was up there originally and we decided that that's not one of the goals that we have if if it happens that's fine but we have to realize that that anything that starts to go down that path Is a distraction. And so, if something like that happens, it really kind of needs to fall into our lap because we are not intentionally going after that. There are other things that we've chosen as more important. And I think that, again, by constraining ourselves to these five and then breaking down those five goals into these things each quarter, it just, like you said, Matt, allows us to function with freedom. Because we're not sitting there second guessing every decision of like, well, wait a minute, should I do this? Or should I do this? Or should I do this? It's like, nope, we made that decision. And you you know what? We'll reevaluate it every quarter, but we made the decision. So we're marching.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it just goes back to, to clarity. And especially for someone like me, I mean, I'm still learning so much about the industry and I'm still learning so much about my my position at Wi-Fi. And so constantly having that guiding light, you know, when I, when I have 10 things to do, you know, and I only have two hours remaining in the day. Uh, The question becomes, which of these 10 things am I going to do in these last two hours? And the answer is always, well, whichever one helps me achieve my objectives um, for the quarter, right? I mean, that's the reality is those are the things that get done first. And I get to everything else that I possibly can otherwise. But, you know, in your most recent article for the Firetime Magazine, Artistship Leaders Execute, I think you said, Directly, you know, leadership is prioritization. Yeah, and I think that's so that's so true, and that's exactly what we're saying here. Is you know, there's a lot of good things that we could do, but what are the good things that we could do that will make the biggest impact on helping us achieve our goal? Those are the things we should do. Um, So, yeah, I think it's crucial.
0: Yeah, so good. Yeah, I think that it is prioritization, and that is the game of leadership. Is that if you're a leader, you're the only one that can prioritize what is most important. That is, man, one of the fundamental questions of being a leader. What is most important? And if it's most important, what am I willing to sacrifice to do it? And in our case, it meant sacrificing goals that are good, but don't fit in with the five that we felt like were were most important and most needed. So, you know, uh, the hope is that, is that listening to this, you guys kind of got a peek behind the curtain of, of what this looks like in real life so that you can go through and do this exact same thing with your company. But I'm telling you, as a leader, if you just make the goals and give them to your team, you're not going to get this level of engagement. Matt, I feel like I feel like the engagement comes that like we were all a part of it together. And I wasn't the arbiter of what won. Like Stan was the arbiter of 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 kind of what won, working with us to come up with these things and and truly these goals are different and better than if it would have been just me by myself handing them down.
1: Yeah, and I, I definitely feel like uh it it was truly collaborative. Um and I, I definitely feel like that's given me more ownership over the process. I think any way that you can, you know, any way that the listeners can do that is is absolutely key. Um and the other thing I want to point out too is that it's it's okay to um, tell your team no sometimes. And that might not seem connected, but it is because the reality is there have been times where I've presented a problem or an issue to, to you, Tim. And, and, you know, I've said, I think this is super important. And a lot of times you say, yep, we got to do this right away. And other times you say, no, you know, it's not. And I think that goes back to like, you are the leader in the company. I am uh, here to support and, and serve you and, and help you. And so it's okay for you to make the final call. The other day, I remember I was telling you something. And you said, Matt. Listen, you know, Henry Ford said, "If I would have listened to everyone who tried to tell me how I'm going to run my company, I would have made a a, a faster bu- horse horse buggy." Yeah. And I think that's the last parting message that I would give on that note is, yeah, definitely let your employees be involved, and I think that's that's good and right, and will produce buy-in. But also, personally, as a, as an employee, um, I respect the leader of the company, and so when you tell me something that I don't want to hear, or when you tell me this is not as important as you think it is, um, I listen, you know? And I think that's the final piece of it is I've just been in, sorry, it goes back to my teaching days. I've been in so many meters, meetings with teachers who are a very strong-willed group of people that all have their own opinions. And sometimes there was no leader there to say, okay, all these opinions are great, but this is what we're actually doing. Mm. And so it goes back to dynamics and form, right? You want the dynamics of different voices, but you need that person to come in and bring the form. And so well it's funny cuz you're the boss advocating for involving your employees but i'm saying you know to bosses at the end of the day you got to take responsibility for it and prioritize what's most important and don't be afraid to do that either and find that balance between dynamics and form cuz that's that's what makes these living that's what makes these actionable that's what makes these influential and and not fluff at all but the very substance of your company
0: i love it man that's so so good and you know i mean it's not like i'm the only one in the company that tells people things they don't want to hear, Matt. I feel like you tell me things I don't want to <laughs> wanna hear sometimes too. Yeah. And you always you always you always preface it by saying, Okay, Tim, real talk here. Or you say, Okay, yeah. Tim, hey, you know, we gotta confront Tim, the you brutal know I love you. You confront the brutal <laughs> yeah. facts about our company. Gotta confront the brutal facts yeah. about yourself. So it is a two way street. Yeah. And and you can hear yeah. like like obviously me and Matt have been best friends for years i mean like over over a decade and so there's there's a lot of trust that's established but you can do this same thing with the team members in your company by involving them in the process giving them a vision and then working together to say where are we gonna go so matt this has been awesome man i'm just i'm so appreciative for you as a as a friend and i'm honored to get to work with you every day so thanks for being here
1: Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. It was fun. And, and thank you uh, for, for having us go through this. It's It's been awesome to, to just get to have a conversation about it at this level. So thank you.
0: My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Bradley. I mean, like I said at the end, this guy is one of my best friends and working with him every day is just an absolute joy. I mean, there's so many things to be covered, but, but I think first off, just realizing that it's really important to surround yourself with people who have strengths where you have weaknesses and who make you better. I mean, we kind of joked about it at the end, but it's a pretty regular part of our conversation that we will talk about things that are difficult to talk about, both with our company and with each other. The other day, Matt scheduled a meeting with me and he had a list of like five questions that he wanted me to answer for him. And you know, One of them is, have you seen me act unprofessionally lately? What am I missing that I can get better at? And so we have a really good rhythm of of mutual feedback. And I keep thinking about that proverb that says, wounds from friends are better than kisses from enemies. And, and that's true. And, and me and Matt have really been able to sharpen each other. And I hope that you took that away in the conversation. But jumping into goals and objectives, I, I mean, I think what Matt said towards the very beginning that meaning matters, it really, really does. And... You know, I, I just talk with a lot of companies that have these really ambitious goals, but they haven't gotten their team involved in creating them. And very often they're not anchored in any kind of a purpose of why the company exists and, and how it's helping people. And I think that I think that what's important here is like for us at Wi fi as we were doing this, you know, we're a very new company. So we're able to pave a lot of groundwork that that other companies already have established. And so what I would say, though, for you, even if your business has been around 30 years, you should still, you know, figure out what is your mission? What is your vision? What are your core values? And my guess is that if, if your core values are just 10 years ago, you thought about integrity, quality, honesty, like, I don't know, I, I don't think that that holds water. I don't think that that those things in and of themselves are inspiring to your team. So I would I would take a fresh look at it. Now, once you've established your core values and you feel like this does inspire the team and you have your goals and your objectives that your team created together, as there's turnover in your company and new people come in, like you don't redo your goals. You don't redo your core values. Like this this is like kind of written on the tablets in stone. Like this is why we exist. And as people come in, you and your team can onboard them into this mindset of, this is why we're here. Hey, these are the objectives that we're going towards. And once we hit these, like we're going to come up with some new ones. That's really powerful. So I'm not saying that that you need to just throw away everything that has happened. But if if, if your mission, vision, and core values are not inspiring your team and regularly discussed you should probably take a fresh look at them. Now, goals and objectives, super straightforward. You know, I, th- I think that your team understanding how they are anchored in meaning is powerful. But then, I think it's about clarity and buy-in. So if you listen to me and Matt talk about ours, that first goal that we had, you know, had the words simple and reliable in it. That was really important for us. Those words had to be true. In addition to that, our first goal had to do only with creating tools in the sales process up to the point where a customer places a deposit. And we're not going to go any further, right? We've had people ask us, man, are you going to create a point of sale system or an ERP system? And our answer is just no, it's outside the scope of what we do. And that's not the direction that we are looking to go in. And it would take a radical changing of the company and, and vision and direction for us to do that. So it's not something that's on our radar in any way. Instead, we are constraining ourselves to go all in on the initial part of the sales process because that's where we feel like we have expertise and we can really help people. So that clarity is a big deal. And, and again, by reviewing these goals regularly and by looking quarter by quarter at your objectives, it really does start to lay out a path. So for us on our weekly scoreboard, we have the objectives for the quarter. And, and this is something where, you know, we don't talk about the objectives every single week because we have other scoreboard metrics to measure our weekly behavior. But every week, we're looking at them. And as we start to move through different points of the quarter, we'll just glance at them and say, hey, let's just talk about how are we doing in these objectives. Having them always in front of you gives you the reminder that I got to be on this. And You know, some quarters are crazier than others. Like right now, honestly, is just a crazy quarter for us. My travel has been out of control. And fortunately, it's calming down quite a bit. But what I found is that in the midst of craziness, these goals and objectives are still a centering point, giving you stability. I mentioned in the episode, my word for the year is stability. I'm looking at a sign in front of me at my desk right now. And it says that, you know, the definition of stability is The strength to stand or endure, or the property of a body that causes it when disturbed from a condition of equilibrium or steady motion to develop forces or movements that restore the original condition. And this is really, really powerful because for me, These core values, the goals and objectives, it is what creates the stability. It is our central point that when we're disturbed from that condition of equilibrium, this is what brings us back to it. And, you know, I hope that listening to this inspires you to think, man, what would it look like for my team to be aligned? You know, if you ask anybody at Wi Fi, where are you going? We've all got the same answer because every single week, We are looking at this together. Every quarter, we are reviewing. Okay, what did we get done? Here's what's coming up this quarter. You know, do we need to keep this here? No, let's push it ahead. Or you know what? We don't need that objective anymore. That clarity is incredibly powerful to align your team. So I I hope that you got a lot out of that conversation. It was really, really fun for me. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreoncom itsfiretime. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash it's firetime. And we are so thankful for everybody that supports this podcast. We operate on a shoestring budget, and it's because of you that we are able to continue and uh, deliver content that hopefully moves the needle in your business. So thank you. Now, as you go out today, my hope is that you take some time this week to think about, okay, maybe maybe my company has goals. How would I break them into objectives and talk with my team about it to rally us together and get this in front of us on a regular basis? It's powerful, and that's how you're going to move the needle. So hope you have an amazing week. Next week is the Q&A episode to finish out this season. I'm super excited for it, and I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Fire Time Podcast. Where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All